This is an e-learning course brought to you by Contemplative Light. We are a community of spiritual teachers and writers, graciously offering our insight, experience, and most importantly, our love. We hope you enjoy your course. Hey, and welcome to the module on Bernard of Clairvaux. Uh, he was a doctor of the church, and his uh, name that relegated his specialty was Dr. Mellifluous, meaning uh, kind of like melodious, a very pleasant sounding voice because of his good preaching. He had a way with words, a way with kind of persuading people and encouraging people, and some people have since criticized him for being too much of a political player. But anyways, he was born uh, not quite really in the early Middle Ages, it's probably closer to the later Middle Ages, and some even consider him the last of the church fathers. He's known as a big reformer of monasticism uh, and scholasticism, and we'll get to that. It's, it's very important, too, I believe, to understand the conditions of Bernard's day, because uh, monasteries at that time were beginning to get very wealthy. Uh, people were leaving their money when they passed with monasteries, and that was becoming more customary, and the church was getting wealthier because of that and acquiring land, and civil leaders would often see this is a financial opportunity and try to get in big with the church and with all of this kind of influx of resources a lot of the monasteries were criticized uh, you, you might know the image of Friar Tuck as the kind of lazy uh, fat guy doesn't do a whole lot but it's real jolly you know because he's kind of um, taking quote-unquote a vow of poverty but living a good life in the monastery. So Bernard comes along and kind of takes it in the opposite direction and starts being a very harsh reformer of monastic ways. Uh, when the Cistercians were founded in 1098, um, they, were, they were kind of the moral voice of the monasteries of trying to be the ones that would set an example and say, hey, we're not going to just play along with this money game and uh, rake it in. We're really, we're really going to be uh, sincere about this and stand up for uh, what constitutes uh, the rule of Benedict and, and really kind of living the life of a monk and an ascetic. And so when Bernard joined the Cistercians, it wasn't just him, but it was 30 of his relatives. So he brought a tribe with him to, uh, to join and immediately wanted to um, kind of uh, almost like a drill sergeant, shake things up a little bit. And he encouraged a lot of very extreme ascetic practices as far as um, extreme levels of fasting and sleep deprivation. And while he encouraged this in other monks, um, 
he probably did it more himself than even the ones he, you know, encouraged to do this and had health problems accordingly. Uh, a lot of different health problems because he, he took things to such an extreme. And, you know, so as I mentioned, the monasteries were getting wealthier. Bernard was a reformer. There was a whole lot of uh, turmoil in, in that kind of medieval world. And this is in France now. And uh, after Bernard had been with the Cistercians, he uh, was assigned to go to Clairvaux and, and start a new monastery there, hence Bernard of Clairvaux. And um, one of the big things that Bernard gets criticized for, uh, a lot of it retrospectively, but which for obvious reasons, but a lot of it also, even in that time, were the Second Crusade. Some people say the Second Crusades might not have happened uh, were it not for Bernard. And... Bernard was very instrumental in answering the Pope's call for the Second Crusade. The Pope called for the Second Crusades, and uh, the Christian world was like, eh, I don't, you know, I don't know if we, we have another one in us. But Bernard really kind of rallied the troops, and with his good speaking skills, was, was really able to persuade, you know, Watts to go, that it would be a heavenly reward. And I'll put the quote up there on the screen, but it's a, it's, it's really, it's really kind of interesting. <clears throat> the den of arms, the danger, the labors, the fatigues of war, the penances that God now imposes upon you. Hasten then to expiate your sins by victories over the infidels and let the deliverance of the holy places be the reward of your repentance. So, you, you may even see some paintings of Bernard kind of standing before crowds uh, with, with strong words like that. Another thing he often gets criticized for, and, or praised for, depending, is um, going after the theologian and philosopher Peter Abelard, who ended up suffering... Um, some pretty grave and severe consequences. If you're familiar with the story of Eloise and Abelard, it's often told in uh, literature classes, but uh, we won't really go into that there other than to say that Abelard was a thinker who was popular at the time. He had ideas about scholasticism, but he was much more on the um, kind of bent of reason and logic. Um, some of some of scholasticism, uh, which the other doctor of the church, Thomas Aquinas, is is known for, was was um, integrating faith and reason. Uh, but for Aquinas, as for Bernard, faith came first, and uh, Abelard may have been too heavy on the reason, and so Bernard went after him very very strong. Um, yet, as I mentioned. He was, he was very much a pope's favorite um, and all, counsel to many popes and almost kind of, some might even consider him like the kind of public hitman of a kind, you know, the prosecutor. 
So um, he went after Abelard and, and just kind of destroyed his wife. Um, yet Bernard is also very popular with really just about all different kinds of Christians. I mean, as far as Christian writers go, uh, from Bernard's time on, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux is the most cited uh, medieval uh, Christian. And John Calvin and Martin Luther, both instrumental in Protestantism's beginnings, loved Bernard. Uh, Bernard was very uh, biblically based, and in his reasoning and in his writings, he never wanted to justify anything or uh, follow through with any thread of thought that couldn't be traced back to the Bible, and that has since made him uh, very popular with Protestants and Catholics alike. Um, He's also known uh, a lot for his book, On Consideration, which is um, a very profound work in many respects, and it's often quoted. My favorite part is when he goes through uh, the virtues. Uh, we've all heard of the seven deadly sins. We've all heard of the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Uh, yet we don't necessarily hear a whole lot about um, the other four virtues. And uh, in On Consideration, he elaborates a lot on those. Prudence, justice, um, fortitude, and temperance. And temperance is, in a sense, very uh, valuable as far as uh, the meaning of balance and prudence. He had some interesting things to say about prudence. Um, and it, it may not necessarily, a lot of the interesting thing about these virtues is uh, they may not necessarily mean uh, for Bernard and how he wrote about them the way we might think of these words uh, today. And, and Bernard was also very popular because he was a big believer in grace. He was not as much work be, works-based in his theory of salvation as he was uh, grace-based. So uh, that has also made him popular. A few things that, that did some things that um, some people like, some people don't like, depending on, on where you stand. One was the Virgin Mary. He basically believed very kind of literal in her virginity and the virgin birth and even elevated her to such a high status that uh, later Protestant theologians would accuse him of actually making the Virgin Mary kind of a co-redemptorist, almost just as important as Jesus. And then the other stuff is his work on the Song of Songs. The Song of Songs, um, if you don't know, is, is kind of a story of um, a man and a woman, and it's very sexual in nature, or at least very romantic in nature, very kind of gushing and often used in um, medieval, you know, literature and the story of the knights and chivalric. I, I'm always bad with that word, but knights courting mistresses and the poetry that kind of came from that era. A courtly romance maybe is, is 
what you want to call it. But Bernard was like, oh no, no, that's about Christ and the church. And later the Song of Songs kind of became a thematic, I guess, if you will, for other mystics as well, as far as this kind of mystical marriage with Christ. And um, Bernard of uh, Clairvaux was kind of instrumental in, in getting a lot of that stuff out there as well. So, um, the, you know, those are some, some of the major points of Bernard of Clairvaux, uh, very much a kind of political player in his day and, and certainly did a lot and certainly seemed to kind of take the Pope's side in anything that was controversial. There was a, at one point, there was a Pope and an anti-Pope and a kind of rivalry and Bernard supported one of them over the other and the one Bernard supported uh, won out and so so he was he was very influential in medieval life in so many ways and yet at the same time he was a mystic with just these kind of hardcore ascetic practices and looking at his life and, and his life's story you might even tend to think that he wasn't that mystical but once you start reading some of his texts and seeing some of the things he writes, um, you know you can certainly see it more. And and he does he does have writings as well that in kind of include the kind of progression of, of divine perfection in the internal life. So um, very rich character Bernard of Clairvaux and uh, a lot of different facets to him. So, um, yeah, hope you enjoyed this, and uh, we'll see you on the next This concludes our course. To learn more, please visit our website at www.contemplativelight.com. We look forward to seeing you again soon.